Good day to you all, and welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. We talk about tech across generations. I'm one generation. The other is my dad, Jack. How are you today? I'm doing great, Todd. Happy Monday to you as we record. I'm a happy camper because my Packers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, although we kind of limped across the finish line there at the end. But but <laughs> I was I was happy. We pulled it off. Yeah. To be honest, I thought that they they uh, they hiked the football too late on the touchdown too. Did you see that game by any chance? No, I didn't. Yeah. It. Uh, the clock went to zero. Then the center snapped the ball, and then they threw a, a pass and got a touchdown. And they didn't call it. They didn't call late, you know, or, or uh, delay a game. And then they went for two, and the exact same thing happened. I mean, literally the same thing. And mm. and in fact, even in the replay, you can see the timing was exactly the same. The second time, they called it and made them back up five yards. And then they didn't complete the two-point conversion, so they lost by two points. So huh. They were playing for a tie at that point to push it into yeah. overtime. And... Uh, Oh, I think I saw some highlights or something. Yeah, and I so. did not want to go to overtime. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah, I couldn't believe it too. I mean, it wasn't didn't seem to be as bad in Tampa Bay, but you know, the Miami game, Miami beat Buffalo, which I think was a shock to everybody. But a whole bunch of people on the Miami team or on the Buffalo team weren't playing in the second half because they were suffering from heat exhaustion. It was like 105 and 90 percent humidity, and those guys were dying. Yeah, and Buffalo beat who? Buffalo got beaten by Miami. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, which was a shock. But I, I was, I was thinking. I read in the scorecard that Buffalo won, and I says, "What?" Well, they are the, they're one of the top ranked teams. In fact, a lot of people picked them to win the Super Bowl this year. They beat the Rams pretty handily in the first game, and yeah. and stumped in the second game, and then the third game they go down to Miami and they fall apart. But it's like half the team wasn't playing the second half because they were all all dying of the heat. Apparently, I was listening to a former player, and they said that when they set up Miami Stadium, they set it up so that these afternoon games, the home team would be in the shade of the stadium, and the opposing team would be in the bright sunlight with the sun in their face. And so everybody on that sideline was baking. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it definitely worked to their advantage. uh, Not that they didn't play well, but at least they got done before the hurricane showed up. Mm hmm. Yeah, and you go, which hurricane? Doesn't really matter. One's going to come. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait yeah. long enough and you'll get a hurricane in Miami. Man, so. I, I really, having been to Florida, I was there in an ideal times, but mm-hmm. they, they have awful weather down there. Yeah, it's shocking that so many people want to go there to retire. I guess yeah. it's it's a winter thing because that's not hurricane season, and their winters are mild compared to most of the Northeast. Yeah. So if you live but, in the Northeast, you want to go there. But it's weird because people who live in Washington and Oregon don't, like, come to Southern California in the winters. Yeah. I don't quite understand. <laughs> well, coastal, coastal towns uh, have milder temperatures than the inland towns up at that sure. latitude. So, you know. Yeah, uh, it, it's not bad anywhere living along coasts, you know, mm-hmm. uh, unless you live too close. Now, now, as, <laughs> or a hurricane comes wet, along. Yeah, those kind of things make it bad. But mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, in fact, the East Coast being further north than us, a lot, a lot of the hurricanes will come along, and because the Atlantic kind of shoots out northeast, you know, they, they come crashing in and north of us. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. Well, and you're far enough inland. I mean, you're on the, the left side of, of North Carolina that you're not going to get the, the worst of it. You know, you've got mountains, mountains well, to your west not, and and a long ways between you and the ocean. Well, we got about 100 miles to the mountains, not quite, but. Uh, yeah, but when you're a, talking hurricanes, that's. Right. But yeah. a hurricane has got to Charlotte before when we first got here, but it wasn't. It was mild. It was kind of. Yeah. Out at that point. yeah, and that's the that's the point I make is by the time it gets there, it has to go over a lot of land, uh, either up through the Gulf and then over the mountains, or yeah. it's got to come across a lot of land uh, inland to get to you guys from where yeah. you're at. But, so, but so. even so, it, it when it came, it damaged just just on the other side of Charlotte, so yeah. the southeast side of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did quite a bit of damage to some places. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, people forget too. I mean, you know, a hurricane is just a really, really big storm too. In some in 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 some instances, and so the amount of water that it dumps can do just huge amounts of damage because most yeah. places don't have means to handle a sudden downpour of you know <laughs> twenty inches well, of rain. One one of the lucky things about where we live is we're fairly close to the largest lake in the state, mm-hmm. and that has a big effect on weather. Sure, weather does. seems to bypass it a lot mm-hmm. of times. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Either that or if it goes across it, it dumps all the water on the lake rather than out around the perimeter, right? Yeah. I I, I don't know how to explain it, but it just seems Mm -hmm. like we will watch the weather veer around us, usually to the south. Mm -hmm. You know? But whether the lake causes it or not, I don't know. Don't know. I'm giving it credit for that. Yeah. Well, you also are, you know, as you go, when you drive to Charlotte, you literally go down to Charlotte. You guys are up at a higher altitude than Charlotte is, too. So uh, things are more likely to, weather and stuff is more likely to go south of you than it is, you know, right at you. Well, and and just all cities, because Mm -hmm. of their uh, density, uh, generally have a hotter area right in the downtown areas. Yeah, no no green belts, or not enough green, green stuff. Right. Whereas the surrounding areas in North Carolina are all green and woods and, you know, and they, you know, they seem to, despite, you know, like a lot of urban sprawl um, uh, or suburban sprawl, uh, they do keep a lot of of trees and stuff between build, you know, between builds. And and actually Charlotte has some nice big parks all in different areas all around it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they do. But I mean, there's, you know, know, there's a difference between having some parks and and living in the woods. Yeah. To to the south, it's like the golf tournament you watched this weekend. If you watched the Quail Hollow Presidential Trophy. uh, Yeah. Didn't do it. I was watching football. And Saturday I was moving. (laughs) <laughs> moving out of storage anyway, not moving. So anyway, anymore. that brought a lot of folks to town, I'm sure. But yeah, we we didn't go out to yeah be a part of it. Yeah, no, I, I saw that I saw that golf was going on, but I was watching. I watched a little bit of college football on the weekend, and then I watched um, NFL stuff on on or on Saturday rather, and then on NFL stuff on Sunday. Yeah, and uh, so. so and I anyway, joined the new bowling league. And the bowling league, instead of setting out the uh, regular uh, house shot, they have a special, they have a professional level machine, and they put down pro level conditions each week. And so we've been bowling on the condition that was set up for uh, qualifying on the first day for uh, men's USA team 
because there's a the national team that's you know that represents the U.S. And okay. so the qualifying conditions are so much harder. People who go and bowl in leagues and stuff on the weekends don't realize how easy they've got at bowling on just the standard house shot versus what the pros actually bowl on. And the and the you know the what they bowl on at the U.S. Open and the Masters and stuff and so uh, your averages are dropping you know twenty pins or more. And and what do they what do they do? They it's the way they put the oil out onto the onto the bowling alley. Oh. So in order to originally, uh, especially when they had wooden lanes, they put a, a lane conditioner an oil essentially out onto the lanes to help protect them. And now with composite lanes, they put different oil patterns down to change the difficulty and the the way you have to line up in order to get your shot to hit the pocket and get a strike. Oh, I see. And so the professionals play with substantially more or some, sometimes more and less. They'll have a lot more oil on the front end and a lot less on the back end, whereas a typical house shot when just, you know, the way it is normally when somebody goes to bowl or mm-hmm. for most leagues is set up basically like a Christmas tree so that it your the oil pattern actually guides your ball into the pocket. If you shoot too tight too inside, it slides out till it hits the dry and then curves into the pocket. And if you shoot too outside, it's dry on the outside and it curves it in towards the pocket. And so um you know the standard house shot is is a hundred times easier than bowling on on uh well on, you gotta go out and bowl throw quite a few balls to figure out what what the setup is well yeah and and most of those type of situations they actually will tell you what the oil pattern is it doesn't matter it's still much much harder you have a much much less leeway for mistakes and uh and it really um it it's quick to cull the the average bowler from the more experienced bowler let's put it that way um most of the people in this league probably average well over 200 during the regular leagues mm-hmm. and in this league i think the average is sitting somewhere between 150 and 160 yeah and uh so we'll bowl four weeks on this oil condition and then we'll switch to the u.s masters oil condition uh and so um every few weeks we change so we can just learn and and it really forces you to hone your skill to really control exactly what you're doing as you swing the ball out there and release it and how you aim and how you um how much you uh spin you put on the ball as you release it so it just it forces you to be a much better bowler so i'm finding it fun to uh mm-hmm. to uh to well, go. has to be challenging to you to get enjoyment out of it yeah the last league I bowled, I averaged 203, and the first week I averaged 137, and the second week I averaged 179, <laughs> and this week I I bowled a couple of 195 games, uh, and next week I suspect I'll probably be able to get some games over 200, um, but then they changed the old pattern after that, so <laughs> then I start over. So you know, um, I'm figuring it out, but not like you know, a pro would come in, throw two balls, and then be lined up and figured it out. Me, it's taken three, four weeks. <laughs> so well, you you know, I was just thinking what, about myself trying to roll the ball. I would probably fall down the first time I tried to roll the ball. Yeah, I I can't stand on one foot. Yeah, so you know. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't have to walk up either. You can you could literally 
stand. In fact, there are even people who bowl uh, from a wheelchair. They roll out to the edge, and then they just lean to the side and swing the ball from there. You don't get a lot of power because, obviously, you don't have your whole body moving into it. But um, But you have have to do something that you can do consistently, whatever you do. Right. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you do, you have to find emotion, and that's what... You know, that's what the uh, same thing with with, uh, you know, with golf and archery and and, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you're shooting, it's it's what's a consistent and comfortable, repeatable pattern for you so that you can do it the way you want to do it every time once you figure out what it, it is. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. Consistency just, is is gone out the window with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's difficult when you don't have a stable platform from which to to launch. Then then it's very difficult to be consistent. Yeah. So, anywho, let's talk some tech. Um, first thing up is a an article from uh, Boy Genius Report saying mind blowing iPhone feature in iOS 16 triggers alerts when your phone hears certain sounds. And well, I let me this... tell you, let me tell you, it blew my mind. <laughs> it, it's absolutely the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Number really? one, yes. No, number one, I set up six uh, things to listen for. Uh-huh. Okay, and the, uh, first of all, the alerts are just a pop-up message that don't even make a noise. So mm-hmm. I don't even know I got an alert. So if the fire house was on fire, you know, give up. I would, I'm probably going to miss it unless I happen to uh, see, it, see it pop up on my watch. That's the biggest uh, thing I'd have to do. Well, but, if you've got, I, you have to turn, that alerts are a, 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 category and if you have your alerts coming to you silently then they don't really do you any good you need to turn your alerts on okay well maybe maybe that's uh, that's maybe that's fixable okay mm-hmm. uh, next <laughs> sec, sec, secondly uh, just about anything on television is going to give you an alert within every 30 minutes at least yeah things exploding alarms sirens going off <laughs> yeah uh, you know, and and what I did is the top three alerts: fire, smoke, and whatever the third one was. I had I had all of those. Then the other ones, just for testing purposes, as my dog barks occasionally, I put that in, and a couple others. I don't occasionally what they were. every five minutes. But anyway, I, after <laughs> getting a lot of alerts, I mean, like you know, I had six or seven alerts before I knew it, and uh, I got rid, and I didn't know where they were from. Because right. the, the message that you get is just alarm from the uh, the name of the program on it, whatever. It was. Right, sound recognition or whatever, right? Yeah, and and so it gives you no clue as to what caused the alert. So it you better use it just for a single alert, or you don't know what's what's the, what's the issue, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, unless you actually heard it, which is the whole purpose of this, if you don't hear it, <laughs> it lets you know. Yeah, and 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 I don't hear a lot of things. So, anyway, just just the, that not uh, uh, the message not being tied to specifically which sound it was triggered. It uh, seems to me absolutely stupid. Right. Well, you can turn the I, notification on or off. You don't even have to have a notification. To me, the thing that was most intriguing about this was the idea that I could use a shortcut. So I could trigger a shortcut based on a sound. So, like, for instance, 
if you hear the smoke alarm, have it turn the lights on in the house, all the lights on, you know, mm-hmm. or um, so or, uh, you know, the um, you know, if you're if your dog is barking, have it, um, uh, you know. I don't know, unlock a door or whatever. Of course, you have to have, have to have a smart home to be able to do that because you've got to be able to turn the right. lights and stuff on for, with your smart home. So, but to me, the idea of tying using using a sound as a trigger for a shortcut was kind of cool, um, you know. And you can already, I mean, they're they're called Siri shortcuts, so you I mean you can already trigger them by voice command. You know, any shortcut that you make, you give it a name, and you can say Yo Shlomo. It, whatever the name of the shortcut is, and it'll execute. Well, only if the triggering program tells you what was the triggered that that alert, and and that's what I'm saying. It doesn't tell you that in the message, so I don't know how you'd know. Yeah. Well, the shortcut that that's the note. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. That's the notification. The yeah. the from what I understand is is that in the shortcut it you know you can you can assign a shortcut to each each trigger. So whatever the oh. sound is that goes off, you can have a shortcut for that sound. Oh, so, so you have to use a shortcut then in order to find out what the trigger is, what you're saying. Well, no, I'm not saying you have to. I don't know. I haven't dug into it enough. But uh, but the idea that I could then, you know, have sounds of the dog or sounds of the cat do different things uh, is interesting. You know, there is. Oh yeah, um, it's in, it's interesting. I'm just telling you what yeah. my experience was in trying to use it. Right, but you didn't do the part that I thought was interesting, which is the triggering of shortcuts to do things. Like there's a, uh, right. a pet feeder that you can put in that's that's HomeKit compatible, and so you can load it up with food and then remotely have it feed the animal. Well, you could also set it up so that if the animal barks or meows, it then feeds them. If you wanted to, which I thought would be interesting. I mean, you might come home to the world's fattest dog or cat, but you know, <laughs> I just uh, I just thought it was interesting as a, most mostly as a way to another way to trigger some kind of activity or action. Um, you know, I think you're probably right in terms of like, um, you know, like so what are these? The sound of your tea kettle, the sound of water running, the sound of glass breaking. Um, I mean. You know, with the sound of glass breaking, you could have your HomePod suddenly go alert. Somebody's breaking in, and, and you know, and play that over and over. And you know, <laughs> if you yeah. wanted to, you know, I mean, there's different ways to do things with it. Whether or not it makes sense, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting, interesting um, addendum to to stuff that they they stuck in there and then didn't tell anybody about it. It's just there. <laughs> yeah. But I understand, yeah, to use to use it expecting that, you know, somehow getting a notification. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have pretty much learned to I, – I get so many notifications from so many different things that I ignore them for the most part. Every once in a while, I'll glance or I'll sit down and look back through my notifications to see what has happened. But I almost never take a notification as it, – it never takes me out of what I'm doing to go check the notification because I just ignore them. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe that's why I turned off the tone somewhere in the yeah. past because of that. Yeah. Uh, and didn't turn it back on. Yeah, I turned but, off the tone and and also the vibe. Mine doesn't even vibe when I get a notification. I don't think anymore because that was bothering me too much. Where Where in this article did you actually read that you can test for it uh, in a uh, shortcut? 
So um, it was in the Shortcuts app. I played around with the Shortcuts app. So oh. and and the notification controls are under notifications. So in settings, notifications is where you would determine whether or not that. Okay. So. Anyhow, you know, I think that you know your experience shows us that it's probably not uh, uh, as real. It's not something necessarily to rely on. Don't count on this to save your life. If your fire alarm goes off, you know, go with the fire alarm. (laughs) Well, I was just trying to do the simplest test possible. You know, yeah. And and uh, I, I was overwhelmed with alerts for from something, and and the only way I could find out was by going back down to one item. And then determining that that if it went off, that had to be the only you know what caused it. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, uh, it is kind of shocking that they don't you know at least in the notification tell you that, hey, you've triggered, uh, you know, a fire alarm has been heard or a you know sound recognition has heard a fire alarm or sound recognition has heard, you know, a door yeah. knocking or something. Yeah, I expected that as a minimum. You know, I mean. You know, but anyway, uh, may, maybe I've got other settings that just defeat it, and uh, just hadn't hadn't really delved delved into it. Mm-hmm. You, you're right. The concept that you can you can listen for specific sounds or even you know custom sounds. Yeah, sounds really neat. Yeah, the custom sounds even sounds really interesting because you know, but you you know, if you were in a certain situation where there was a very specific sound that was unique. You know, then you could say, "Hey, listen for this sound, right?" Right. And yeah. let me and warn me when you hear this. So, anyway, uh, I, I I like the idea of you know I used to to use real time controls uh, mm-hmm. because I was used to uh, or had a job where I was instrumenting various kinds of tests, and so these tests would have certain Items where I looked at, a, at a, a, something that would trigger usually an interrupt. The system had uh, what was called an interrupt system. Mm-hmm. Well, you can look at these sounds as, as an analog for an interrupt. You know, yeah, it's a certain oh, sure. type of sound. Yeah, and and therefore you it, you you can in a sense respond uh, and in like a, a real time system would. That's what you mean by real time, right? Uh, uh, but uh, and usually that's a a feature that's built into uh, the operating system, uh, you know, the system itself. Uh, and there are no, you know, in a phone typically typical things that are user accessible that are that could be the equivalent of interrupts, other than something mm-hmm. like this. It's not. Truly, an interrupt, but you've used it in in that in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I was calling it a trigger. It's a trigger. Uh, you know, something right. happens, and it then triggers an action. Um, yep. You know, so. But um, yeah, I I think it's interesting. You know, I was thinking about it too. It's like, you know, you want to know how much your pet actually barks over the course of the day. How much how much noise does it make? Well, you could. You know, set it up to trigger the dog bark and then create a shortcut that just, you know, creates a counter and increments. Well, well, and then I was thinking, and just leave the phone sitting there and, and see how often the dog barks. 
but you know, instead of just specific tones uh, detection, I was thinking with AI and software, you could basically have uh, word recognition too. You know, eventually, mm -hmm. it's it's going to take more processing. But shoot, these things are far more sophisticated and and powerful. Yeah, well, it says custom days. sounds. I don't know how you know. I didn't. I haven't tried making a custom sound that's a specific word. You know. Yeah. But I suspect uh, when they say sounds, that's going to include, like, intonation as much as the sound, the word. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably just the tone of your voice or something that have a certain characteristic to look for. Mm -hmm. So I doubt if it'll make a distinction between whether you said hey or oh-ho. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Hey or bay, same thing, right? <laughs> same. Right. Yeah, yeah, because it's not word recognition per se. Although, because it is a Siri shortcut... You can already do words. You just name the shortcut that word. The difference is, is it doesn't trigger on it because you've got to say, hey, shlomo first. So you just yeah. go, hey, shlomo, insert. Because, like, I, I think I've talked about it before. I have a shortcut on my phone that's, uh, I'm headed home. So I say, hey, shlomo, I'm headed home. And it goes and launches maps, figures out what my ETA is. And then sends the ETA to my wife saying, hey, I'm on my way home. My estimated time of arrival is. And it puts the time in there. Yeah. So, so you know, and that's just handy. You know, it's like I don't have to do it every time I'm headed home. But just, you know, it's just as a courtesy to let her know I'm on my way. Because sometimes she'll then text me back and say, hey, can you stop at the grocery store? Or can you pick up dinner or something like that? You know, most of the time yeah. I just get back a thumbs up, like, okie doke, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but every once in a while I get, you know, a little bit more in the conversation. Yep. So, so just, well, just being uh, courteous. You, you, you haven't programmed it, uh, or, or you did put, uh, try to program one of these sounds or response to it. I did some reading. I didn't, I didn't actually do it. So I haven't oh. done that yet. So maybe I'll do that sometime. Maybe between now and next week, I will do that. This last week, I, like I said, I was pretty busy uh, doing the moving thing with my storage unit. And so uh, I really didn't uh, sit down and do much. In fact, I was, you know, we started recording late today because I, I my, my shack, something had happened and my gear wasn't working right. And I haven't been in here since last you know what I was going to say Thursday? I haven't been in the, in the shack since the last time we recorded because last Thursday I did not record with Aaron and our um, The Rest of Us podcast. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been a week since I've been out here and something happened in that week. I had a, like a power problem because my computers were – I had to reboot everything and repower on everything. So, um, so I didn't get really much of a chance to play. You know, in the evenings I would sit and read – but that was about it. Yeah. So, so uh, next up, what's up next? Let's see. see. A Apple confirms bad news for iPhone 14 and iPhone 14 Pro users. You want to talk about that? Yeah, and you commented on that one already. Yeah, and well, right. that was, that was just – yeah, go ahead. That, yeah, any, any update gets, you know, if there's bugs in it or whatever, they – and that's not – uh, atypical, even. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the point was is that they, or that they they said that there's people who've been complaining about a variety of different issues, um, and uh, and so you know, they're they're the the article at least the the uh, titles implying that this is 
you know, bad news for these devices. And it's like, these devices are selling so fast right now, they're having trouble keeping up and there's a four to six week wait to get them. So I don't know that it's terribly bad news for Apple. The bad news for Apple is they can't make enough to sell right now and they're leaving money on the table. Um, as far as the any issues, every time they launch a new version of iOS, you know, it's a, millions of lines of code, there's going to be some bugs. And almost invariably within a week or two, they send out some bug fixes and some patches, you know, and these are not even point updates. They're, they're what, O, o point updates. Uh, yeah, but but, to do. but they always have a beta test program where right. their own people participate. Well, they even do a public beta for this. I mean, there's been a public beta and, you know, sure. just stuff gets missed until until oh. you see stuff in volume and the billions of people who have iPhones get them in their hands. And then you start finding out that, you know, and I'm sure from their perspective, they look down and say, hey, you know, it turns out that, you know, this model of iPhone has a problem that we didn't notice before because we just didn't have enough of those people in the beta that have that particular model. Because I'll bet you dollars to donuts, the people who, who sign up for the betas, by and large, are people who have some of the newest hardware because they're, you know, Apple fans to begin with. And, sure. they're, te and they're techie people. So they probably don't get enough good testing on on some of the older hardware that the that the iOS still supports. And uh, well, I read one of the problems they were having was with an iPhone 10, which was, you know, iPhone 10 and iPhone 10R, which and, and iPhone 11, which are the three oldest phones that iOS 16 supports. Yeah, and, and of course, amongst that group is about every uh, media uh, reporter, because they've got a be up on what's going on so they want to get a hold of the device before anybody else so right. they sign up for beta you know? right so. yeah you know but even when you're when you're not on the beta you know they obviously it fell through the cracks they didn't catch it so so it goes live and then somebody says hey how come it's doing this this doesn't seem right and apple looks at it and goes Yep. Okay. Add that to the fix list. And sometimes it, they wait for the first point update. Sometimes it happens in an O point update because they've got to happen quicker. And when I say O point, 16.0.1 is a small, small fix. 16.1 is a bigger fix that sometimes includes feature changes, right? right. So that's sort of how they do it. Um, and right now we are on 16.0.2. So there's had two little um, uh, bug fixes or, 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 or problem fixes that they've had um, so far. And what is iOS 16 is two weeks old, three weeks old now. Yeah. So I'll bet you Apple keeps a scorecard on their beta testers. I hadn't really thought about this before, but uh -huh. if, if, if they never get any feedback from these guys, they'll probably exclude them at some point so. and say, you've not contributed. So, well, anybody's so. allowed to sign up, but that doesn't mean that they listen to your problems, right? Right. If you're a beta tester who has turned in things that they regularly find as real errors, I bet they prioritize you when you send in a bug. They look at yours more closely. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, you can all use it, but we're just going to, you know, we're not going to tell you, but we're just not going to pay any attention to anything you say if you, you know, send it in. Whereas, you know, Joe over here has, you know, every year has sent in two or three things that we find are actual bugs that we need to fix. Yeah, because the, co the, the companies value the, those people that really do help, you know. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And they probably also value those people who, who do it on some of the older hardware, you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, most of the people on the beta test probably have iPhone 13s and, and some iPhone 12s, you know, the most recent one before they released the new, the, the new phone. Right. Whereas, you know, somebody 
like you and I, I mean, you know, you, you've got a 10 and I've got an 11, um, you know, those are the people that, that they would probably want, especially because there aren't that many of them. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, and, and they're not even addressing me anymore. I'm over the hill. <laughs> so that was the break point between you and me. You, in what? You've got a lot of features that I don't. Oh, you're saying, oh, oh, the software. Yeah, yeah. The software yeah. works on, uh, on iPhone 10s, but a lot of the, the newer func- newest functionality doesn't, right? Right. Yeah. 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 yeah Although, I've, I've, I've never slipped this far behind before, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But you look at it and you say, well, what, what, what is it I'm getting? Right. You know? And how much do I really use my phone? And is it worth you know, a thousand dollars. Although if you do it on your Apple card, you can pay, you know, 40 bucks a month at zero interest. And right. So, oh. so you might say, well, that's not that big a deal. And then I can have something new and great. Although honestly, like I had told you before, the one I'd be worried about is, is mom. She's got a phone that can't get updates anymore. And, uh, the iPhone SE is last year's iPhone 13 hardware. Yet it looks exactly like the phone she has. I would upgrade her because then that, then that phone is going to last her for, you know, another five to seven years without having to be upgraded. And it'll have a new battery in it. So, you don't it'll actually hold a charge and she doesn't have to learn any new interface or anything. To me, well, that's that the, the main thing about it is, is that she's not that unhappy with power. I mean, she just as long as she remembers to put it on the charger it. She goes to bed at night, you know. Right. Because no, daily it's got a. My concern would be that she can't get any bug fixes and 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 updates on it anymore, and so, you know, that's going to become a liability as far as people hacking into her phone and stuff. And, you know, presumably she still she has you know banking information and private information on there that she doesn't want people to see. So. Well, she doesn't. She, she's never put the banking she, app on. She doesn't have any of that. Okay. Because <laughs> she doesn't do that. Okay. Well, in that case, then, you know, whatever. So but, uh, anyway, I, I I thought about it. You know, it, I appreciate your suggestion, but that's still, you know, 500 bucks no matter what you do. When you oh, it is. It is. And, and you know, but uh, my, my thought was is that that SE is probably not going to exist in the next six months or so. That they're going yeah. to replace that at some point with something new, and I get a feeling that it's probably going to be something that's going to be like the iPhone 13 Mini, since they don't sell a Mini in the iPhone 14 anymore. The new, yeah. the, what, what was the Mini, will become the new SE. You know? Yeah. Um, so, but we'll see. Yeah. It- Whatever yeah. it is, it's it's right. Uh, Apple sets it up so they're they're in the driver's seat to make right. money, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. But you know, I just I thought, well, you know, if if they replace the SE with the Mini, then if she buys a new, you know, if her phone something happens to her phone and she has to get a new phone, there's not even a phone that works the way her phone works anymore because they've gotten rid of the button completely. Yeah. You know. So. I was just checking here on Apple's website. Uh, they actually do still sell the iPhone 13 mini. So, yeah, I don't know if that's going to become the new SE or not, but, but they still sell it. So you could get the mini. But, but again, that's all face ID, and, you know, it's just it's different. Quite frankly, I think she would find that adopting it is no problem at all, but she would be mm-hmm. resistant to having to do that because it's just different. She doesn't want to do it. Oh, that's the worst thing she complains about, you know. She mm-hmm. didn't want to change. 
Right. You know? Yeah. She's not, she, she, in fact, if I were to order another iPhone, why did you do that? Now I have to learn something new. Right. Yeah. You know? No, that's when I got <laughs> Elaine her iPhone uh, 11. She that was the first thing out of her mouth is like, I, well, I, where's my button? Why? Why do I don't want to do it this way? You know, and within a week she was fine. And uh, I don't even think she asked many questions about it. It was very intuitive and she figured it all out right away. Um, yeah. And she actually likes the phone a lot. And smart guy that I am, my wife loves purple. It's her favorite color. And the iPhone 11 had oh, a purple version. Yeah. That I think was the first one that had a purple <laughs> phone. So I got her a purple yeah. phone with a clear case so you could see her purple phone. Yeah, what's the purpose anymore? You know, I, I thought to myself, a clear case is the only thing that makes sense for a lot of people who care about the color. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I... I don't think most people will carry phones around that uh, don't have a case on them. Although I, uh, Apple builds them so that they're just, they should survive, but they, uh, they're mm-hmm. slick and they're ha- hard to hang on to. Somehow. Yeah. Well, yeah. and they've gone to not only glass fronts but glass backs, so it's like okay, great, more glass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I haven't had a phone outside of a case in in almost well ages. Yeah, I think the last phone that I used without a case was probably my iPhone four, um, and even that one, I think that was the first one that I, I somewhere in the middle I decided to start using a case on it. Well, I when I when I uh, you sent me your iPad here, that's the only thing right. that I took out of the case because I didn't like that big keyboard thing. On right. There. Well, I had and, the yeah, that keyboard and case. So that's the uh-huh. first device that I've been using naked. You know. Right. But let's think about it too. An iPad, you use it very differently than you do. Uh, your phone, right? I mean, it's almost always, you know, especially yep. the way you use it. It's it's in your house, you know. It's on your couch. It's it's used, you know. It's, it's like a laptop. <laughs> and how many exactly? And how many people put cases on their laptops? And I know there are yep. people that do, but the the number is much much smaller than the than the number of people who put cases on phones because you know phone is you know you're pulling it in and out of your pocket or your purse, and it's just it's easy to fumble it and drop it when you do that. And so there there is one of the things if if I had. If I was on Skype or, uh, in this case, uh, Zoom, I was going to say you uh, are on Skype <laughs> very often, and I, I, I'm on it usually uh, once every uh, two weeks at least. But oftentimes now, when we're get, we're getting back to regular schedule, so it'd be every week. Is I I have to hold this to be on Zoom, and I've realized that I get my finger in front of myself so other people can't see my me the camera. You know, I got. If, if I'm not ha- seeing myself on the screen, I don't know my fingers in front of it, you know? Yeah. So uh, that that's one downside of the iPad, whereas uh, comparing it to a Mac, right. you know, which has a keyboard or something to sit there. But Well, I've, I've uh, often thought that, that, you know, I mean, obviously they're, the Apple's own keyboard cases put the iPad in landscape. And I would hold it and use it in landscape as much, if not more, than in in portrait view. And yet the cameras are always set up to be in portrait view. And if you use it in landscape, then they're on the left-hand side, and it's super easy to stick your hand over it. That's right. And I do the same. I, mm-hmm. Whenever I'm in Zoom, I put it sideways because it seems that the Zoom program, at least, is designed to look better on the screen right. that way. Yeah, well, it's because that's how 
all the televisions in the world and computer screens so, in the world are set up. So, so uh, and that's why I mentioned it that way because yeah. there's no other apps that I have that really drive me to the landscape view. Yeah, you know, to be but, honest, if Apple wanted to do something to make their uh, their their MacBook or their uh, I'm sorry, iPad Pros really you know, solve a problem or, or make it easier to use is put a camera on the top like they have now and then put another one on when you're holding it in portrait, put it on the that'll right. Just, on the right drive side. the price, though, you know? Well, I mean, yeah. So you put in two sets of cameras. It's going to drive the price up a little bit. They're already $1,000 items, you know? Yeah. I would I would rather pay an extra 100 bucks and get that functionality because that way then, you know, you've got a, a, a device, you know, sensors in there to tell you when it's sitting which way so just activate the cameras on which whichever cameras on top um and and be done with it and that way when it's sitting when you're using it as a laptop in in horizontal view landscape view then the camera's still on top um that would be just a huge uh update that i would love to see them do in their hardware you know and i can see them going no we don't want to do that that's redundancy we don't you know it's like do it. I, I wonder uh, if they've, uh, you know, this one's got about a quarter of an inch margin around it. I wonder if uh-huh. they've reduced that and ran the picture clear out to the edge. No, it's about the same. That's that's how it is on, on all of them right now, the on the pros. And the air is maybe a two millimeters thicker. But other than that, it's it's the same. And then the, the, the basic iPad still has the thick border all the way around with a button on the bottom. Yeah the you know the old like over half inch thick border so but anyway uh still you can't really see the camera you know i mean it's not they they don't want you to see the camera right and when you're talking to somebody else and you you cover your your camera you've effectively turned it off to the other person right. and, and pretty soon they're saying except when it's a group of people uh, they they would probably if you if it's one on one they would say Hey, I can't see you. What's yeah. going on? You know? Yeah, you're blocking the camera. So, yeah, you know. And as for the border on the iPad, I mean, they could make it thinner, but I think that they they probably have done some tests. I don't know that that's a good thing because when you're holding the iPad, you don't want your finger activating the touch surface. You want a little bit of a border in which to hold the thing with. Right. Um, well, it's easy enough already to cre- create problems. Yeah. So, so easy to touch something on there, and you say, "Whoa, what happened?" Yeah, you know. And all it was was your the hand you're holding it with, the thumb, or you know, crept over on the edge just a little bit, and activated something, you know. Yep. So yeah, I think that they you know they, they don't want to get rid of that border uh, completely because you have to have some grab space, and if that's the case, then they've got a perfect place to stick the new uh, landscape view cameras. You know what would be nice, though, uh, somewhere on the screen or on the device, if you were able to sort of lock the uh, screen from input, just turn turn off the touch sensor, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so it need a button or something to do that, I suppose, yeah. maybe on the back. But if you could just do that, because sometimes uh, if if I'm just reading. Uh, well, other than the motion to go sideways or whatever, you know, move it around, I'd, I'd still like that capability. I'd li- but just to activate something, uh, if they could make a distinction, let, 
you know, let, mm-hmm. let you just browse in a document, do those kinds of things, well, but not, not activate them. And I don't features. know if they have it, but it seems to me like under the accessibility section, they should be able to take the size of the touch sensor rectangle and shrink it to give you a bigger border around the edge. I mean, it doesn't have to come in a lot, but if it came in, you know, a half inch or so, how often are you clicking on things that are right at the edge anyway? I mean, you know, you should be able to turn that off. And it seems like that's an accessibility issue. Um, You can turn it back on, obviously, if you need it, but it just seems like that you're right. I think that you should be able to adjust the area around the perimeter of the device as to how sensitive it is or isn't. Yeah, I'd like the user to have some control over it. In fact, it it might even be nice to push a button somewhere to say, you know, make it active or inactive Mm -hmm. so you don't lose it, you know. Because when I'm in a document, I don't want to leave the document, but yet I do sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, oh, anyway, just just one of the little yeah yeah rather rather than uh, make your your uh, uh, notifications trigger on specific sounds, how about we we uh, put a camera on the uh, on one of the other sides and allow us to adjust the the touch sensitivity around the perimeter. Those are two things that we would like. And one of them could be done with software. So yeah. doesn't cost you anything, Apple. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how things improve. People, you know, complaints yeah. are a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, not even complaining. It's just saying, I, I love the device. Here's some things that, that, that are uh, an irritation to me, you know. And, you know, here's an op- opportunity for Apple to delight somebody. You know, sure. and I always like that word when it's like when you're when you're doing service or when you're creating products, you should aim to delight. It shouldn't be yeah. just okay. It does what it's supposed to do. It oh. should be delightful when you're doing it. You should that, look forward that, to do it. That was that was a Steve Jobs contribution way yeah. back at the beginning. Yeah, you want it. You want it to to, to surprise and delight people when they use yeah. it. They want it. You want to smile, and so yeah, we'll see. Anyway, uh, not that I'm really big into computers, but uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. The 15 inch Mm -hmm. MacBook Air kind of caught my attention. Yeah, the rumored 15 inch MacBook Air. Well, that's that's (laughs) true. Rumored. You're right. Anyway, uh, I've often thought that 13 is just a bit too small. Yeah. You know, and 12 was even (laughs) worse than that. It was, well, when you got it, you were just like, shocked that you had such a tiny little computer that worked as well as it did but yeah everybody who who looked at it said well it's it's pretty slow and pretty underpowered in order to get it to work in there with no in that little case with no fan but uh but it was pretty stunning it really was when it first came out that 12 inch original macbook uh aluminum macbook was well a, in fact your daughter katie wanted to trade me yeah yeah she thought it was so cute yeah yeah, yeah, and she has a 13-inch MacBook Air, um, and that that was a pretty impressive little computer. Yep, but I still use it to rip uh, DVDs. Yeah, even though it doesn't, you have to plug an external DVD player in because you don't, you know, being that small and light, it doesn't have a DVD player in it. Like, they have, That's I, right. I don't remember the last time I had one that did. You know, um, I guess it was my 15-inch MacBook Pro. From 2011, I think. Is and the last I only one have one ad- of, of three adapters that I bought. I only have one of them that will work with my CD player because 
it will provide adequate power to the player. The other ones uh, don't provide adequate power to the, to the CD. Right, because it's got a mechanical motor and stuff. It needs enough juice to make everything yep. work. That's right. Yeah. So that's one of the really important specs that you don't, nobody really advertises very well. And I, mm-hmm. I got tired. I said, I'm not trying another one. I wanted two uh, USB ports. Now I'd like them not, not just USB, but USB-C. Right. Uh, but two of them that are powered adequately, uh, that uh, just to get along, because very often you you know at some point in time you want to move stuff from one device to another. Right. You know, I bought these these monster terabyte drives, eight terabytes I've got sitting on my desktop, and it's empty because I haven't been. Uh, I don't have any facility for moving stuff from other drives to it. I don't understand why. Huh? What do you mean you don't have any facility? Plug it in. I plug it in, and it, it, I don't have enough power on two devices. Oh, I got. I see what you're saying. So you're ah okay. So you don't now, have enough current that, to drive the the yeah. the terabyte drive and the source drive. Now let me tell you the other critical thing about plugging drives in. I want absolute stable connections because you don't want to be moving data and suddenly some little glitch happens at the connector and yeah. you've now screwed up the files on your drive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'll tell you what. It's not an Apple thing. It's an industry thing. They've made a complete shit show of USB-C. Something that was supposed to be the salvation, right? One cord, don't worry about which way it's plugged in. It goes in either way. Now, when you buy a USB-C, when you see a USB-C port, is it USB-C 2, 3, 3.2, 4? Is it Thunderbolt 2 or 3 or 4? And then you've got to have a matching cable. And they've got cables that just do power. They've got cables that do USB 2, USB 3, USB 4. They, you know, and they all look exactly the same, and there's no standard in labeling them. It's a mess. You never know what you have. Absolutely yep. never know. It is the biggest pain in the butt. You know, what was supposed to be like the one plug to rule them all solution has turned into a complete shit show. I'll tell you, the other thing is, is that I have uh, probably 10 drives. Most of them are small that I have bought over the years. Mm-hmm. Just these little, little tiny drives. I got a bunch of them too. And I can't find things because I don't remember where I put them. Yeah, which drive is it on and in which folder on that drive? And Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and furthermore, I, I don't know. It's just uh, theoretically, if you had them attached to a machine, i.e., your Mac, uh, but you'd probably need either all of them. You know, good luck finding a way to plug them all in, or you need to consolidate them all onto one of those big terabyte drives. Then Safari would go through and index them, and you could just type in search things, and it would go find them. See, here, here's another thing that I have that's very valuable. Uh, for years, I collected pictures. Uh, that I had scanned, right? I had I had put them into a hierarchical structure. 
based on family relationships. I remember. You know, families, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, I made some copies of those, which uh, is not always a good thing, because what you want to always do is work on the master copy. Right. You know? Well, I don't, first of all, know what the master copy is anymore. Secondly, I can't even find them, because they're, you know, somewhere... It was on this last big computer that I had, which was 2005, and it no longer works. The okay. did you, you had a 2008 MacBook Pro. The 15-inch MacBook Pro is what you had them on? Yeah, that was the first MacBook I bought. Right. It's a 17-inch MacBook Pro. 15-inch MacBook Pro. 15-inch MacBook Pro. Right. right. Yours was a 2008. Yeah. Uh, two, oh, 2008. Yeah, You're right. yours was an 8 because I had an 11. It looked exactly like it. Okay. But anyway, uh, so I think I lost my master. Yeah. You know, so whatever I plug into, it's not going to be the latest and greatest unless I'm yeah. lucky. You know? Well, and I know you gave me some, some CDs that you had ripped of that of those fl- things. And I was trying to think as you started this conversation, it's like, where are those discs? I'm not even sure where they are. You know, I know, I know what they look like, so I know I wouldn't have, like, intentionally throwing them away but i probably you know. wrote on them in a, yeah in a, yeah i know your handwriting so i know what they look like they weren't mine i know what if i see them i'll go oh yeah i know what those are um well and, i put so much work into them and i thought they had family value you know yeah they do uh, <laughs> yeah nobody has taken care of them um yeah well and i had also ripped all of my music that i had collected over the many years mm-hmm onto DVDs too, or CDs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have those in a folder somewhere with dates of, you know, mm-hmm. when the music was popular or something. I forgot what, how I dated them. Uh, but anyway, I, I really want to find them because I've thought about some music that I, I don't know what happened to it. Yeah. You know, it's. I, I, I thought don't... I thought all of your, your your primary archive was that that big uh, 160 gigabyte iPod that you had. Well, that that is uh, got a lot of stuff on it. Right. That's probably got all of my music on it. That's what I'm You're saying. You're right. I and, that and, was I, your... and I still have that by my bedside. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I can go and do that. So I can mm-hmm. always go there. So that. That at least there's some backup for that. Yeah, they physically you know? exist there, and you can plug, However, you can plug that into a computer, and it will show up as a drive, so that you could then copy all that music somewhere if you wanted to. Yeah, and quite honestly, uh, you pro- if you haven't done that, I mean, because you say, I got Apple Music, you know. Yeah. the The downside of Apple Music is when you know I had I thought. It was ten to twelve thousand. I don't know how to measure it anymore. Gigabytes or terabytes of storage. I don't remember. It's not terabytes. Whatever it was. Well, it's a hundred and sixty gigabyte drive, so it it's it's yeah. that much or less. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I had lots and lots of music, and uh, but it was all stuff I had collected. It meant something to me. Going on Apple Music. This other stuff just gets in the way. I, I go on there and they're trying to push the latest and greatest stuff, which I don't care about at all. I don't even want pop music today. Right. I want to find what I like. Yeah. You know, 
So the real downside to, to the Apple Music is it gets in the way. <laughs> yeah, they've made it harder and harder for you to um, to see your library. Yeah, it, it should have a feature for curation where I curate it to my stuff, you know, my favorites. Yeah. And and maybe it's there and maybe I just haven't worked at getting it done. But it's it would be a lot of work and I wouldn't want to ever lose it. That's the other thing I worry about. When it's in somebody else's hands, somehow Apple screwed up my me.com collection of photos already you know which yeah. i've got backups for on on that i was telling you about that archived uh stuff but i'm I, i'm never going to put them back online in fact i just want to get offline everything that is of value to me now right you know because i haven't backed up the online collection in years already you know, so if they were to lose this stuff, I wouldn't even miss it. It'd just be gone, you know. Mm -hmm. And well, I worry like, about that. I, I, I ripped all the CDs that I owned and uploaded them into the uh, to iTunes when it was still iTunes and paid to have them duplicated on iTunes. I've got a master copy of everything, you know, on one of my devices here of everything that, that was up there in, in the, you know, in iTunes and the iCloud. Um, but to be honest, I'm sitting here looking at like Apple music right now. And when they switch from iTunes, music got different. Everything I'm seeing is stuff that's streaming. I don't even know how to find my library of music that I uploaded. That's mine. Hmm. I don't even know how to get there. Their, their operating, their, their interface is set up so much to use iTunes streaming music that, you know, all the stuff that I ripped, I, I don't know how to even tell it to say, don't look at, at I, you know, at iTunes music, look at my stuff. Yeah. You know, I uh, don't even know there, how to do it. Well, in music there, there was a uh, specific one button push to get to your own stuff in Apple music. And uh, let me see if I can find it here. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at it on on the Mac right now. So, oh, you know, on the Mac. Yeah, that'd be different. Music works a little, you know, a little differently, but it just it's. Uh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> let's see. Browse. Browse. Listen now. Radio. Those are all Apple specific things, and then there's a search. So it's, oh, it's just under the library. Library is my own stuff. My artists and all that. So under library, that's the... I click on the library and it shows tons and tons of stuff that is uh, streaming stuff that I've gone in and tagged that I like. Well, li library is where uh, my stuff is, you know, that I have down or uploaded or whatever i guess over time uh-huh my library if 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 my stuff is in there it's mixed in with all the stuff that's streaming i i don't know how to just look at the stuff that that's mine that i own songs that i either bought through itunes or um or ripped myself 
I don't well, even go to... look at go look at artists. Uh, if you can recognize, if you can't recognize any uh, some of these artists, then then they're not yours. But that's the way I can tell what's mine. I they're all the same people. I mean, there are a whole bunch of them are the same. You know, so I don't know how to tell which one. I can't think of like one artist that I know I only uploaded, and realize I uploaded that music ten years ago or more. Yeah. Well, I've got one in here called Aaron Brinker. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> the other thing is, is that I mixed in a whole bunch of talks, uh, podcasts that I had bought uh-huh. back on C- in CDs or DVDs. Right. And I just downloaded and ripped them in. They come into music, you know? Yeah. Off the CD. Yeah, as a default, anything that's an MP3 comes into uh, yep. Apple Music, which... I don't like because Apple Music's a very poor podcast player because it doesn't have the tools to move around like you do in a podcast very well. Yeah. But But anyway, I uh Yeah, Apple has definitely taken the the music app and set it up so that it is much easier for you to just pay them a monthly fee and use their streaming music than it is to um than, than it is to go and, uh, you know, use the music that you play, the music that you've bought or, uh, or previously bought and then ripped. Um, <laughs> they're, they're doing their best to make it hard for you to do that. Now. This is interesting. Uh, I have uh, Corel, and I said, Corel, I haven't heard of them, it, but it's not just Corel, Corel Software. Right. And the album is called Corel, Corel Photo Album. But then I push the thing, and it's got Corel Play, and I will play it and see if I can hear something. In the ending of the year, it says, is the title of the song. Was this some sort of, like, embedded MP3 from Corel? No. Uh, Corel Draw. I mean, you're saying we both know Corel is, you know, the former makers of Corel Draw. Um, right. I'm not even sure who owns the company nowadays, but, um, uh, yeah. Anyway, there's 33 seconds of sound here and I can hear it sort of in the background. I was wondering, can you can't hear it? Huh? I I'm not hearing it, but, uh, okay. Well, I turned it off, right. Hmm. But it must've been an MP3 that was on that CD and it saved it. <laughs> I didn't Probably. know I had it. Probably. You know, anyway. a sound file that was supposed to play when, when something happened within the app or something like that. Right. So. Anyway, uh, too bad. I guess there's no way over online here that we can share stuff that we play, you know, like in uh, in the other software. Right. Uh, I can do Zoom, that. You can, you can put that online. You, yeah. Oh, you, you can from the computer. I can from here. Yeah. Because I've got a mixer, so I can play in different things. Ah. So. Well. I can add different sounds to our stream. Well, that's why I was wondering why it won't allow me to. You hear that, right? Yeah, I hear it. Yeah, that was. So. Okay, but you didn't hear my stuff. Nope. I, I guess there's uh-huh. no way to, no way to do that because I don't have any control over the Skype 
program here. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I but mean, I can I do, do things. Yeah. Let me <laughs> let, let, let let's see. I put Skype back here. I was just wondering. I can look at it and it says add a call, keypad, mute, or Skype iPad. I don't know what that Skype iPad is. I don't know. All I can say is Apple Music, if you if you listen to streaming music, it works fine. If you want to listen to the library that you created, good luck. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I know you it, can do it, but I literally would have to sit down and figure it out. That's how, how difficult it is at this point for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, this is just, oh, I see why that is. Because yeah. I, we don't, we don't have video on the, on the Skype here. So. No. So we were, we started talking about the alleged 15 inch MacBook air, the, Excuse me. The thought is is that uh, Mark Gurman has said that that in 2023 that we should see a 15 inch MacBook Air. So that would be taking what is the smallest and currently smallest and lightest uh, MacBook and uh, making a a slightly larger screened version of it for those who feel like 13 inch isn't enough. It's interesting. You said that you really like you know you're not sure 13 is big enough. I didn't think it was when I got my last computer because I had a 15 inch MacBook Pro. <laughs> Um, but in 2016 or something like that, I got a refurbished 13 inch MacBook pro and that's a, I'm real happy with that as a laptop. 13 inches, just fine. So, uh, I noticed that my power suddenly dropped. I wonder why. I don't know. I, I went from about 28% to 18%. In hmm. a matter of seconds. Probably because you live next to a nuclear plant. Probably. That, that must be something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. um, let's see. Let's move on. What else do we got here? Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Experts say the f- iPhone 14 satellite feature may have dangerous side effects. Well, uh, that has a lot to do with people's understanding of the limitations of the of the satellite feature. Like there's a lot of conditions. You must be line of sight, for example. So if you're now down in a jungle with trees over you, chances of you seeing a satellite are zip. So you'd have to know that and find some elevated area that doesn't have trees above you. Yeah, okay. but I think that's fairly clear. And they demonstrate, I mean, it's not available yet. They haven't turned it on, but they showed yeah. in the, in the, uh, when they announced it, that that there'll be an app on there that literally shows you your signal strength and tells you point it this way or that way. So ah. you'll be able to point it this way or that way. And if you're not getting signal, you'll have to, you know, get to the a clearing or somewhere where you can get some signal. Um, you know, it's not perfect, but it's it's when you've got nothing else. Quite honestly, if you have a any satellite phone, you know, if you're if you're a uh, an extreme um, hiker or something like that, or, or, you know, mountain climber, and you're in these extreme environments, a lot of people have, um, uh, direct satellite texting systems and, and, uh, you know, uh, warning beacons that they can, that they take with them. You can buy them for a few hundred bucks. Okay. Uh, well, those what, what are, are, have the same 
same, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Basically, uh, this is the wilderness rescue experts mm-hmm. that are, are concerned as to how people go and get into trouble. Right. Uh, with things that, that they don't understand uh, and uh, all the obstruction issues and uh, uh, also if you're in a forest, a cave, a canyon, you know, sure. or something like that. Yeah, you, you know, you've got those kind of limitations. Right. Well, where it might, where I can see maybe this is an issue would be like, you know, for, for the for the extreme hiker type of person, they they already know what they're doing, right? It's not going to be yeah. that big, it's going to be the the weekend warrior who says, "Well, I don't have to be quite as careful because I can just take this with me," and then they get stuck somewhere, you know, under the canopy of a bunch of trees, and it doesn't work, and now they're screwed. Yeah, well, the yeah. other one is the people who make radios designed specifically to handle these things, like two-way communications and whatever. Right. And weather emergency alerts, technologies that are available for for people really in trouble. Well, yeah. They're, 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 they're trying to downplay the Apple's capability as one that's uh, venturing into an area and putting people's lives at risk. Uh, by giving them an inadequate ca- capacity to, to uh, you know, it sounds great. Yeah, you know, based on something that hasn't been released yet. What they're what they're really afraid of is losing business because people are now going to have in their pocket something that they used to charge them four or five hundred dollars for. Of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> that's what they're yeah. really worried about. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, and, and the other thing that they're saying here is they've argued that you should have a rescue beacon. Now, that little light on your camera might be in a pinch in dark at night. If you turned it on, somebody might be able to see you. But uh, I don't think know. they mean visual, visual beacon. They mean a beacon that sends out a radio signal, either, yeah. either radio Possibly. or satellite signal beacon. And yeah. Apple does have that. That's built in. That's part of the option that, that, that it will do that. It'll okay. give a 911 with your actual GPS coordinates so that it will be able to tell you exactly where you are at. And, uh, you know, I, you know, yeah, it's, you're right. It's going to, they're absolutely right. It's going to change that market for the people who have been charging, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars for satellite phones and, and emergency, you know, wilderness, uh, equipment. Absolutely going to change that. Yeah. But there is a statement in here that many wilderness experts say that the iPhone, Phone 14 satellite capabilities can be a useful tool if used with care. So that's what they're really trying to convey here. Yeah. What they mean by that. Yeah. Well, I mean, but if you took out the word iPhone 14 and put in, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to say Garmin, for instance, the Garmin, uh, you know, satellite uh, emergency pocket tracking device, it would absolutely be the exact same thing. Yeah. These kind of devices as standalone devices have existed for quite a while. They cost anywhere from, you know, 300 to a thousand dollars. And, uh, this is basically for somebody who's never going to buy, uh, an emergency services type of, uh, right device. Right. Because of their cost. Yeah. The biggest risk I think would be that, that it would somehow give a false sense of security to somebody to go do something stupid. 
yeah. as opposed to you know a somebody who somebody who's going to go invest in one of those um, uh, satellite phone slash text slash GPS devices that are standalone is somebody who's dedicated to doing this and is going to educate themselves and be probably much more cautious. Whereas my, some my, some dude who on the weekend <clears throat> says, hey, let's hike over that way for four hours and maybe we'll find our way back. Uh, and if not, don't worry, we've got this cellular phone or this satellite phone. We'll be fine. You know, okay, it made him a little braver than he probably should have been. Yeah. By, by the way, it says uh, you should be trained to use a map and compass and carry them with you. Now, there is a compass app that works on the phone. Now, I don't know uh-huh. whether that's just cell tower use or what, how it creates that. Co- I believe that there's actually a chip in there that's a, a a electronic compass. I think that that's a standalone device that does not require external radio. So you can use that worldwide, right? Yeah, and it'll show you magnetic north right up until your battery dies. Yep. Whereas a actual compass in your pocket doesn't have a battery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the things they're saying are true. You know, if you're going to go out in the wilderness, know what you're doing, be prepared. Yep. You know, don't rely on technology to save you from doing something stupid. You know, the, the, those seem to me like really, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> and does that mean that, they, that there's nobody will ever go out and do something stupid because they think that they're going to be saved by this piece of technology they're carrying in their pocket? Nope. I guarantee you there's going to be people who go out and get lost in the woods and then go to use this and find out it doesn't work the way they thought it does uh, or they don't know what they're doing and or they got somewhere where now they can't get a signal and don't understand why it's not working because, you know, it, it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. there's too many people in the world for somebody not to do something dumb. I <laughs> see that at, at the bottom of this under a thing called editor's recommendations are mm-hmm. other articles. And one of them is, says here, iPhone 14's car crash detection may be a little too good. I don't know. I wonder what he means by that. I don't know. <laughs> Stumbled into something and, and it set off car crash detection? Well, it's probably like the fall detection. Uh, when, I, when that first came out, uh, I didn't fall, but I happened to bang my uh, yeah. Watch. Uh, phone against the uh, door frame or something. Mm-hmm. And it it's thought I fell. Yeah, I did that one time too. I went and pounded on the door to get in or something. The, the door got locked, and so I pounded on the door to get my wife's attention inside. And it thought I fell and started counting down, saying, "We're going to call the emergency services in ten, nine, eight. I'm like, well, "No, stop, stop." Well, 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 well. Mine got to the point where it called your mom and and Haley because I had them listed yeah. as emergency numbers. Right. And Haley calls us. What's wrong, Dad? Yeah. yeah. Well, that happened. I think I, I, we've recounted it once before. That happened when I was visiting you one time because uh, you can automatically get your, your emergency services if you press and hold the buttons on either side of the phone. And I had taken my phone and stuffed it into the uh, cup holder upside down, and it pressed the both buttons in. And I'm driving oh. along, minding my own business, and suddenly, 911 operator, what's your emergency? And I'm like, what? Who? Where are you? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then after I get done talking to the 911 operator explaining that I apparently had inadvertently done this and had no clue why I was getting talking to her even, then I get a call mm-hmm. from, from from my brother and my wife, who are both the people closest to me who are on my emergency call list, going, are you all right? What's going on? And they were sitting back at your house. <laughs> 
And ironically, yeah. I was literally driving right past the police station, which is just down the street from your house. I was like, I don't know. This yeah. is the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Am I all right? That's, that's an open question. Um, <laughs> so made in India iPhone 14 to hit local stores soon. Production begins at the Chennai facility. Yeah, so I think that means that the supply chain is suddenly going to be more flush than it was. So yeah. Once they get that up. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, well, I've read a couple things about some of the computers that they um, were supposedly supposed to announce in October may not actually, some of them may not actually ship until, uh, uh, or at least not ship in volume until the beginning of 2023 because we're seeing, you know, the tail end of, of supply chain issues out of China. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, this facility had previously only been used for earlier models. So right. They've been up and running right. for some time. And for distribution uh, in, in India because they have a law there that says a certain percentage of devices sold in their country have to be made in their country. Right. So. So anyway, they do intend to increase the uh, uh, quantity of phones, uh -huh. uh, you know, as time goes on. Sure. Uh, well, and, so. and smart on them to to diversify their production capabilities to other places in the world so that they are not subject to the whims of political uh, ideologies. Yep. You know, that's just that's just common sense. And yep. so, um, you know, they kind of got a little lucky because of that law in India about having to have a certain percentage of stuff made domestically. They had already started the process and so, you know, they've got another plant besides the big plants in in China. And it doesn't look to me like their their schedule is very ambitious to get more stuff done there. So, you know? yeah, yeah. But I think that they're 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 looking, you know, they're trying to read the tea leaves a little bit and say, well, we should probably have a, a few more plants. So I know they're working with um, uh, uh, Taiwan Semiconductor and um uh, for the chips and then also with, um, um, oh shoot, what's the name of the Foxconn that does the assembly of the final devices for a lot of their devices and putting up plants. You know, they're doing a big plant in Arizona and they're doing another one in, uh, somewhere in Mexico. So they're, they're trying to diversify their production, uh, you know, to, yeah. to, to just say, well, you know, if, if, if we have uh, another, um, you know, worldwide pandemic, there were parts of the world that were less bothered than others at different times. So maybe we should be able to be a little more flexible in our production, <laughs> uh, you know. And if somebody decides to march into another country and start shooting, a la Ukraine, um, we should probably also have some some backup plans. So anyway, uh, it it's something that. Uh, they got to do a better job of because they've been way overexposed to to China, considering how much stuff they build. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it made a lot of of um, production I, sense and fiscal sense, but at some point, you've got to say there's a lot of risk involved there too by by putting your eggs in that one basket. I, I at one time I thought there was supposed to be a, 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 a some growth in Mexico too, but it seems to that that went away. I don't haven't read about it in a long time. The, there's a there's a there's a large factory that's being built in there, and I don't remember whether it was Taiwan Semiconductor or Foxconn. But there's a big there's a big Mexico factory, and then there's a big Arizona factory, and 
to my knowledge, they're still doing some assembly of computers in uh, Texas, too. Remember when they did the trash can Mac Pro, they said they're oh. all going to be made in America because it's yeah, such a low... Yeah, but that was real small, low well, quality. Well, that's what I'm saying. Quantity. Yeah, low volume there. But they, my understanding was they were expanding that facility as well to do some other stuff. So I don't know what that is. Maybe that's where they're going to continue to build the Mac, you know, the Mac Pro. Like the current Mac Pro... Um, I don't know if that's still made in in Texas or if that's made somewhere else. Um, but you know that's the other computer that the the other shoe that hasn't fallen yet with the uh, switched Apple silicone is the Mac Pro, right? So yeah. theoretically, we should hear something about that before the end of the year if they're to keep their original two year timeline to switch everything over. We'll see. Yeah, uh, as, as a little blurb at the side of this article. It says salaries in India likely to increase by 10.45% in 23. So there, there goes the low cost of production. <laughs> well, well, you know, inflation's hitting everything right now. Right. So, And, and in fact, that, you know, even though we've got inflation, we're, we're small peanuts compared to uh, lots of other countries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's countries that have lived with double-digit inflation, and you know, we're we're complaining about the fact that we've gotten what up to eight or nine percent right now. Um, yeah, which I'm not I'm not saying it's a good thing. I've been to my, I don't know about you, my gas right now is well, I mean, almost it's halfway to six dollars. It's it's five hundred five dollars and fifty cents. It's it's more expensive now than it has ever been for me to buy gas, and it had dropped for a while. By the way, my last tank of gas two ninety nine a gallon. Yeah, rub it in. <laughs> well, let me be let me be truthful about it. I used forty cents a gallon benefits from my uh, ah, uh, grocery yeah. store. <laughs> right? Yeah, you got the the grocery so, store discount. Yeah, and we get that often enough that I don't buy gas until I've got at least twenty cents off or thirty cents. Right. Uh, so so, but it just happened that I was pleased to see that I was, even if you were well, paying three fifty a gallon, that's uh, still. Uh, you know, $2 less than what I just paid. Yeah. But anyway, I, what I really wanted to do and forgot it is I wanted to take a picture of that doggone pump at two ninety nine. <laughs> send it to you. <laughs> send it to all of my California friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. I don't want y'all moving to North Carolina either. Then we'd have the same problem California has. <laughs> yeah. Well, the story is, is that there's a, a refinery on the West Coast that's been taken down as they uh, clean it and prep it to switch over to um, uh, the winter gas because we have winter gas and summer gas here. Yeah. And uh, and so because of that, then the uh, the availability is low. So that's why they're then raising the prices. I think it's all just baloney. It's a way to, you know, it, it's one of those things where we have to have it. You You can't get from here to there without it. And so you're just basically bend over and take it you know yeah yeah i i fill up once a month usually <laughs> yeah i wish i could say that but you know uh i've got two vehicles and the one i drive doesn't get filled up that often because i don't drive that much uh this time of year when swim season starts i'll be driving into orange county every day uh, but you know my wife still commutes to work every day and so we've got to have a you know a tank full of gas and she gets through almost a whole week on a tank or or you know, through the, usually I fill her car up on weekends. I'll usually take her her car when I go bowling, and, uh, and then fill it up so that then she has a a full tank on Monday. 
I sent you the same article twice next. You got two of them, the last one. Yeah, I saw that. The same as the one before that. I, I guess you really <laughs> wanted to talk about that. Well, the last one that I sent, I didn't realize that I had sent it because it was about the time you called, uh-huh. and that disrupted it. And right. so I wanted to be sure I got it. So when we were talking, or after I got started talking to you, I went back yeah. because it was still up and and sent it, and that's what uh-huh. happened there. So. And I guess when you send it, you're just sending it straight from the article. You're not actually looking at your messages app, which explains why when you're sending me stuff, I will sometimes send you a response or a comment, and you never see it because you're not looking at messages. You're looking at the – you're browsing the stuff and sending it directly from there. Well, it, you click, I, I, you click I, I, the send I, I, button no. and then say message. No, I, I have your messages app as the index app. I always up here. That's how I discovered this t- twice sent. You know, it was sent twice. Uh-huh. But, uh, and, I, and I always do that. I just sort of use, leave this messages thing up as an index for our talks. You know? Right, yeah, when we're talking. But I say when you're going through and finding stuff to send, you are not doing – you're not looking at the messages app at all. You're just looking at where you're at, and then from the browser, you're clicking on send and picking me. Yeah, yeah. Right, because on a lot of occasions, while you've been sending stuff in the morning, I will – I shouldn't say a lot, but probably once a month. I will then send something back to you, talking to you about something, not related to necessarily anything you sent me. But it's like, hey, he's sending me messages, so I know he's online right now. So I'll send it to you, oh. and then you never see it. You don't respond because you're not looking in the messages app. You're browsing through a browser, and you know. And it's funny because I know there's the little box with an up arrow that you can click and share, right? And from there, yeah. you can say send something to email or send something sure. via messages. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's the way I do it. I, 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 I almost break- never do that. You know what I almost always do? I almost always select the um, – the address from the address bar in the browser, copy, and then go into the message app and paste it from the message app. Oh, really? Which is totally inefficient. I understand it. Makes no sense <laughs> at all. That's just how I do it. Huh. It's weird. I, I, I can't explain it. I've got no excuse. It's not the right way to do it. Well, I'll tell you, there are some apps you can't send things directly from the app. And, in fact, mm-hmm. the one of them you have it, it, you have to go to uh, – I forget it is. You have to, you, you can't send it out of the app. You've got to get it to the browser. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, it, it's if – you're, if you're in the uh, 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 Google app, it's – Google the, News uh, or whatever? Uh, no, no, the video app. Oh, you don't uh, like to act videos? Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, YouTube. I'll, I'll, YouTube. And, and YouTube does have a link to share. Uh, it out just of the looks YouTube different. App? Yeah, it just looks different. Really? Yeah. Oh, it doesn't okay. look like the regular share. It looks more like a, a forward from an email or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, so, uh, there's a way to take YouTube and put it into the browser. Okay. And so I'll do it that way. Uh, the the other thing is when you save it, oftentimes it doesn't send you back to the YouTube app. I will, it'll come up in my uh, browser instead. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of weird. I, I I don't know how they distinguish between a browser and and bringing it up in the app. You'd think if you have the app, it should default there. Yeah, in the YouTube app, there underneath it, there's a like, dislike, share, stop ads, and save. 
share is the word share with a, an arrow coming up from the word and pointing to the right. If you click on that, then you get the option to share it. You can either copy the link, share it via Reddit, Twitter, Gmail, email, messages is the last one. So then you click on messages and you can send it as a, a message and it'll include the link. Hmm. But that's from within the YouTube app on iOS. And where is it at the top? It's below the video. Of course, I'm doing it from a phone. I don't have my iPad in front of me, so I can't tell you exactly where it's located on the screen on an iPad. I have to do that later. But I've done it from there. So there is a share app. It just looks different. Huh. Well, I'm looking at the screen saying, which one is it? Look for, it's, look for a, uh, an arrow that's kind of bent coming up and pointing to the right. I don't have anything like that. And it that. has the word share underneath it. I wish I had an iPad in front of me, but I don't. So. Huh. Uh, okay. Anyway, Apple MacBook Air M2 wins the Creative Block Awards 2022. Creative Block Awards. This is um, oh, Creative Block. It's a website. Block spelled B-L-O-Q, of course, because, you know. Yeah. God help us, we actually <laughs> use real letters. Right. Um, or, or spell things correctly. So this website has picked the laptop of the year as the Apple MacBook Air with the M2 chip in it. Um, and, and and I thought it was interesting. They I did go to their site as to how we test laptops there and mm -hmm. stuff, but it's still not very specific. But, you know, they score different categories of things sure. that they – the tests that they run. But uh, – to me, they uh, they don't make it real obvious why some things are hardware related instead of software. It seems to me it's more software related. Yeah. Why you would choose something than a hardware thing? Right. You know, uh, like bl this razor blade has always been a big for games. Right. Laptop for gaming it must be a fast machine. Mm -hmm. But the question I have is, how is it even coming close to? what the m2 is doing today now i'll bet you it's just there's no software for it <laughs> it's the no. best gaming machine because the gaming companies don't actually compile any of their games for the mac software so that's why right. it's the best game yeah. it runs windows by default it is the best game <laughs> you know, that, you know. That, that that's sort of what i concluded yeah well and that's you know honestly that's a fair fair measurement you know but they should yeah. say that somewhere yeah well, and and they put a Chrome thing in here just because they have a best Chrome Chromebook uh, category, you know. What I mean, of right? All, a lot of that, well, so. now I I wouldn't say they put it in there just because they have a Chrome category. They have a Chrome category, and so they have to they pick their best Chromebook. But that's a very valid thing to do because there's a lot of schools and a lot of people who the uh, Chromebook is the number one choice. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, but now here's the. Here's a category, best language laptop for programming. Now, when I see programming, uh, you know, it's a, again, it requires some really good tools like mm -hmm. Microsoft stuff or whatever, you know. Right. Uh, Development environment, that, you know. Whoop, I hear dog. That's way too broad of a category, though, programming. I mean, yeah. programming for Windows? Well, then probably a Windows computer. Programming for the Mac? Definitely not a Windows computer. Programming right. for the web? Well, then maybe. Either one. You know, it's hard to say yeah. that. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, but the, the last one in here is best lap, laptop for drawing. 
and that's the Microsoft Surface Pro because basically it's a tablet, right? Yeah, you can draw right <laughs> on the screen, exactly. So, uh, so that that it's not a laptop; it's a tablet. Right, and if you're going to do that, then compare it to an iPad Pro. Right. So that, but it's excluded because this is best laptops. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, that's the other thing is there are a lot of places that consider you know like uh, iPads a separate category, and others that say, well, an iPad is just a different form factor for a laptop. And so how you categorize stuff has a lot to do with with you know what will or won't win in these in these competitions. I always used mm-hmm. to like, um, uh, and I can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was Computer World, but anytime they did a review on anything, to the right of the review there was a box. And they would say, here's the things we judged on, here's the scores we gave, and here's the weight we gave to each of these things we judged on. And then they'd put little blank lines there. And those blank lines for, were for you to go and say, change the weighting. Say, well, this sure. isn't important to me, but this is. And then you could do the math across, and then, and then you could score it based on your own personal weighting. So, yeah. so like, you know, if, if their uh, best programming computer is the asus zenbook pro 14 duo oled which is what they they say it is here well that's great if your waiting is programming in uh you know windows but if i want to program an app for a mac then that changes my waiting a lot you know absolutely then this this computer is useless to me in that in case yeah by the well, way any- very interesting looking computer did you did you look at the computer? It the, it literally is which, a dual screen. Uh, which computer are you looking at? The one they have for the best laptop for programming. Oh, left, oh for programming. Yeah. Okay, I had. Uh, they have oh, the regular see. screen, and then above the keyboard, they have like a half screen. So, it's it's it literally is a dual screen computer. It just looks very interesting. It's sort of like the um, the touch bar, that. the touch bar that they used to have on the MacBook Pros, except expanded up to be uh, about half a screen thick across. You know, that runs the full width of the regular screen, but it's it's like a big screen and then a half a screen below it. And hmm. uh, you know, it's just interesting the thoughts that you know. I like to see manufacturers doing some things differently, trying things differently to say, well, you know, what if we did this? How could people use that? Does that make sense? And, uh, you know, I mean, it may go the way of the touch bar, you know, at some point they're going to go, yeah, it's interesting, but it doesn't really do anything for me. Well, it says against this one as part of their verdict, a minus, unusual ergonomics. Right. Well, I think part of that is, is like um, the the, uh, touchpad, which we're used to having down below the space bar, looks to me like it's way over on the right hand side. Well, I thought maybe it was that glass thing in front of the keyboard. Well, it's that that could be it pad. too, and that's probably a large touchpad. But, but you know, that either way, it's unusual, right? That, that's not yeah. your normal ergonomics. You don't have a touchpad below the space bar like you would in most most laptops. Yeah, because see, I, I it's usually right in front. You know? Right, but see, you and I have been around long enough that we remember when they were still trying to figure out how to make a pointing surface work on a laptop. I mean, a lot right. of them originally had uh, a ball that you rolled around on it, a roller ball. 
And then they went to touch surfaces. But remember, a lot of the touch surfaces were above the keyboard for a while. Apple's the one who said, no, we're going to put it below the keyboard. That makes more sense. And then mm-hmm. you've got a place to rest your wrists a little bit on the sides. And then remember, in fact, I think uh, I, uh, Lenovo still sells the ones that have that little eraser head that was in the middle of the keyboard between the G and H key that you could push up or down or right or left. And I've had some keyboards. I, when those first came out, I bought a keyboard like that, uh, a computer like that, uh, for my for my employer and played around with it. And I thought that was actually a really decent way because you didn't have to move your hands at all to be able to, you know, your, your, your hands it, it, stayed on the keyboard. You know, I think what they've done is they've given you a touchpad. This is both a display as well as touch in that bottom screen. Right. And the top screen is... That's, you know, ever since Steve Jobs says you don't want to reach clear up there to use a touch screen, that's a that's a perp, that's just a normal screen. Well, that's right? probably a touch screen too because the Windows world has ignored Steve Jobs completely, and they've got lots of touch computers, and and well, a lot of people completely but, disagree with his assessment. But, but but if you had a touch pad down here in front of it, then you really don't need it above, do you? Well, you don't. Well, you might if you're I, I, going to I, use it to point on something specifically. It just depends oh. on how you're using your computer, and it does have a trackpad to the right side of the keyboard as well. It, it does. It huh? does. I, yeah. So you know, it's it, it's just it's a weird, funky computer. But I love that somebody is out there saying, "Let's try something different." Yeah. You know, I I, I zoomed in on it. Not you know. That if you go, it doesn't if you look cl- like much of a trash pack. If, if you if you click on the article and then scroll about halfway down the page, it shows a picture from the right hand side, and you see the touchpad uh, on the right hand side. But it's it's uh, yeah it, oh. it's oh I got you okay yeah it's it's a very weird setup, but kudos to them for trying it. You know we'll see. It's a two thousand dollar computer, so it's not cheap. Um. But, uh, you know, I mean, who knows how that stuff will all play out, whether it makes sense for, for anybody. Huh. You know, a year from now, somebody will be going, nope. <laughs> What's the price of it, I wonder? This is what I just said, $2,000. 2000 It's not a cheap computer. You know? Nope. And it's fairly high-powered. I mean, if you're going to compile code and stuff, you've got to have a reasonably good processor. I mean, it's, you know, a fair amount mm-hmm. of memory and storage. It's it's a quality computer, but it's it's definitely outside the norm in terms of the way they've designed it. So, you know, up to you to say, mm-hmm. well, you know, if I'm doing uh, Windows development or web development, whether or not that is an advantage to you. Mm-hmm. I suspect getting used to not having the touchpad by your thumbs is uh, going to be a major change. Although I will tell you this, I have very often when typing on computers, especially with the Macs, as that touchpad has gotten bigger and bigger, bumped it and moved my mouse around without intending to. Yeah. So <laughs> so maybe moving it's not necessarily a bad thing. But, uh, yeah, you know, the the, the uh, that touch surface on the, that the Macs did for a while that they're now kind of phasing out, um, I thought it was an interesting idea. It just never caught on. Nobody, the developers never really seemed to use it as a, as a standard, you know, input device. A lot of, most apps just ignored it and, uh, didn't do much for me, but I know, um, 
the older of my two daughters likes art and stuff, and she saw it in being used with Photoshop and said, oh, that's wonderful. That's what I would like. Now, she hasn't ever uh, replaced her MacBook Air with one, but they still sell a computer that has that, that 13-inch MacBook Pro. You can still buy it with that touch surface right above instead of function keys. Yeah. You know, yeah. so there's still one computer on the, on, on the on the docket that has that touch surface. I wonder how long it'll go on. You know, honestly, I'm surprised many... it's there now. Yeah. But uh, I read something that Apple Apple said it was their number one selling uh, MacBook Pro, and I went, hmm. "Well, that's because it's their cheapest MacBook Pro by five hundred dollars." <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's essentially a MacBook Air with a touch surface and a fan, right? Yeah. So you know, it's got a little bit more oomph in the processor because it doesn't have to th- throttle because of thermal problems. Well, Todd, I'm going to have to excuse so. myself here, and we're getting close to the end. So I yeah, think. yeah. We, let's wrap this up. We'll call it a day. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and we'll be back again next week. Okay. Good talking Bye. to you, Todd. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.